Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning, Cathedral. Happy Father's Day. Good morning. All the guys supposed to say back, Happy Father's Day as well. How many fathers in the house? Let me see. All right. Maybe I should ask how many fathers at the house? Uh-oh, getting serious, all right? Great to be in the house of the Lord, amen? amen. Last week, Pastor Ken started a, um, well, he started a series some time ago called The Power of the Story. And last week, he shared a scripture that I want to share with you and kind of set pace to what we're talking about today. And it's found in the book of Mark. And I believe it's a powerful message that, again, defines as to why it is that we're looking at the parables. And it reads this way, Mark chapter 4, verse 33, uh, somewhere, there it is. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. Wow. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. You see, the parables, Jesus, his intent was for us to be able to understand secrets, uh, truths about the kingdom of God, truths about God himself, truths about us, and truths about life. And I believe today on this Father's Day, I want to share with you uh, about the fatherhood of God. Will you stand with me at this time? We want to read a scripture that's found in the book of Romans that sets pace for what we want to talk about, we want to share with you today. I believe that um, as we fill God, this room with God's word, as you read along with me, it'll give us an understanding as what God wants to talk to us about. In uh, again, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, reads this way. Uh, for those, read with me, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you have received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies we are what? We, with our spirit that we are the children of God. Somebody give it up for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pray with me. Father God, as we have opened your word, we pray that we can open our minds, our hearts, our spirits, that our lives would be good ground, that your word would come in and give forth much fruit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Man, so good to be here with you on this Father's Day um, and be able to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. Um, as we were saying earlier, the parables, Jesus had a purpose to be able to reveal, again, the kingdom of God, God himself, uh, about life as well. They are fictitious short stories that talk about, again, symbolically, the kingdom of God, God himself, and about life. It's very important to keep that in mind because, again, Jesus being the teacher who he is, uh, wants us to understand. God is not that complicated. It's us who make God complicated. God understands that we need to understand who he is. Can I hear an amen? amen. The book of Luke re records the majority of the parables of Jesus and in chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says that 
people gathered around him to listen to him. And, and it's interesting, the, the people who gathered, look what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. It's interesting how Luke mentions all these individuals, okay? The tax collectors were the individuals who were Jewish. They took money from the Jewish community and gave it to the Roman Empire. And so they were hated. They were despised because they were thieves, they were liars, and they were being used by the Romans to take money from the Jews. And so they were hated, okay? Tax collectors were hated. Among them... The Bible also says that they were sinners. Wow, sinners. I'm sure that none of us can understand or identify with that word, sinners, okay? Uh, but there were sinners among them. I don't know who they were. Maybe they were, um, I don't know, what are the sinners that we know today? Um, maybe um, an adulterer, maybe a fornicator, maybe someone who just didn't want to serve God, okay? And Gentiles that weren't accepted among the Jews as normal people, individuals who had broken the law of God. Among them were also Pharisees. Now, Pharisees were interesting individuals. They were individuals who were the, the religious zealots of that day. They believed that they were holier than anyone. It's kind of like those people that drive on the fast lane at 64 miles an hour, and they look around because they want to set pace and want to make sure that you and I also drive 64 miles an hour. You guys know those kind of folks, Okay. And that's, that's the kind of people that the Pharisees were. They just wanted everybody else to obey the law according to them. And so they also looked at the crowd that, people, that Jesus was teaching, and he called, they called them all sinners. They even judged Jesus, and they said, look at him. He eats with them. He talks to them. He sits down with them. But Jesus himself said, hey, that's why I came. I came to give the word of God to those who need it, those who need a healer. Thank God for that. Can somebody give it up for Jesus for that? Amen. And so then all these people that, Jesus, that gathered with Jesus uh, in the book, of, uh, in the book um, of Luke chapter 15, he records three stories that, he, that, that Jesus taught. Two of them are short. The, the third one is the longest of them all. Probably the longest of all the parables, okay? And, and probably one of the most popular ones. The first one was about a lost sheep. A farmer, a rancher had 100 sheep. One got lost, okay? That's the loss of 1%. The scripture says that Jesus taught that the, um, the, the shepherd went out and looked for the lost sheep. And when he came home, he came home rejoicing. And Jesus takes an opportunity and says, Likewise, your father, when one comes home that is lost, also your father in heaven rejoices. The second parable talks about a lost coin. Um, a woman who had ten coins, ten silver coins, and she loses one. That's a 10% loss, Okay. Um, in today's economy, one coin would be about $100, okay? And I don't know about you, but 100 bucks is 100 bucks, okay? She lost $100, okay? 10%. And the scripture says that Jesus taught, and she said when she found it, she talked to all her neighbors, and she rejoiced because she had found the lost coin. In both of those stories, there is a loss. And maybe not that much, 10% and 1%. 
And maybe there's not a whole lot attached to it because one is a commodity, a sheep, and the other one is simply money, which is 10%. But a loss is a loss. And as Jesus is teaching these two parables, I want to imagine that Jesus pauses for a moment. Join me as we imagine Jesus teaching this crowd. And maybe in that pause, he puts his hand on the abandoned single mom. Or maybe looks over to the tax collector and winces a little bit, kind of like, you know, accepting him that he's there. Makes eye contact with the Pharisee, like likewise communicating, I'm glad you're listening to this. Because Jesus wanted them to learn. Jesus wants us to learn. Can I hear an amen? amen? He wants us to understand what he sees about the kingdom of God. He wants to reveal it to us. And he starts with the last story, okay, and that's recorded in Luke chapter 15. And in this last story, it's called the prodigal son. Well, that's what a lot of people call it, especially the Bible scholars. They call it the prodigal son. And you probably know the story well. It's about a man who had two sons. This is the way Jesus was teaching it. One of them was a younger son. The other one was an older son, okay? And, and I believe that as Jesus taught this lesson, he on purpose wanted that, that crowd in particular to hear it, like he wants us to hear it. Because as a result of this story, we, we grasp onto a lot of life truths that take place. Things that happen in life. Because life happens. And life happens at home. Usually it's not in the job that we determine how we live our life, but the things that at home that take place that we determine how our life is going. And this is what Jesus is revealing through this lesson, especially because maybe there were dads in the crowd. Definitely there were sons or daughters. They could identify with the way in which Jesus was, con was conveying this parable because it was a reality. He had two sons. One of them was a young son who was a little rebellious. The other one was a jealous son that was jealous when the son came home. And you know, it may seem in the surface that the story is about the young rebellious son, the, the prodigal son, or the jealous brother that when the, son, when the other son came home, he was jealous that they had made a celebration they had come home. But in actuality, I believe that the main character of this parable is not either one of the sons, but it's the father. Have you ever seen a story, a, 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 a film, um, a movie, and then you realize at the very end who the real main character is? This is what, hap what happens here. See, a lot of people have put the focus on the rebellious son or on the jealous brother. But in actuality, it's the father that holds the family together. It's the father who brings reconciliation, recognizes repentance, and keeps the family together. That's why fatherhood is so important, not only in knowing who God our father is, but fathers here on earth as well. I'll let you think about it for a little bit, okay? In today's society, it seems like, you know, fathers aren't celebrated as much, okay? And don't worry about it, guys. If they didn't celebrate us as much as they do Mother's Day, don't worry about it. We know who we are, amen? amen. I'm dad. I'm pops. I'm daddy. I don't know what they call you, the old man, okay? But you're dad. 
And it's a blessing to be dad. And there's things that we do as dads that you don't need an applause. You don't need a bouquet of flowers. You don't need to be thanked. Oh, just be quiet, okay? And be the dad that called you to be, that God called you to be. This is what this man did in this story. Never in the story do you hear Jesus condemning or judging the son, the brother, or the dad. Because that's not the purpose of the story. It wasn't good back then. It's not good now. There was an answer to all of this. And I believe there's an answer to all our situations as well. His name is Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. So this son, the youngest son, we'll start with him, okay? He was this kind of, you know, very energetic, rambunctious, very, you know, bright individual, okay? Well, that's a nice way to put it, okay? I believe he was this snotty, you know, proudful, I know it all, punk, I mean kid, okay? <laughs> you know the kind that there are, right? I mean, you know, I'm, you know, one day he was probably talking to his friends. He goes, I'm tired of this life, man. I'm young. I'm energetic. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I know it all. Dad doesn't know anything, man. I wish he could do this. I wish I could do that. I'm tired of these chores. I'm tired of these rules. I'm out of here. I'm sure none of us have heard that. And as he's talking to his friends that he's going to buy this car, he's going to buy this cell phone, he's going to have these clothes, he's going to have these girls, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. One of his buddies says, yeah, and how are you going to do it? You, have, you don't have any money. And one night, he's realizing that he wants out of there. And I believe we gather a life truth here, okay? And the life truth that Jesus is trying to convey is that there never has been and there never will be a perfect family. And thank God for that. Because these unperfect individuals, of course, there's none of us here that are that, okay? But these unperfect members of our family, they make life interesting, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of us wouldn't pray if we didn't have them in our lives, okay? Either way, you know, we understand that these individuals, they, they make life interesting. This is what happened in this story as well. And as Jesus is conveying this story, we're finding out that there is not a perfect family. That's what Jesus is wanting the people to understand. And the dads within that crowd were understanding that's true. That's right. But this young man, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. He didn't have the money. And one, I'm thinking that one night, you know, he's laying down and he's saying, man, how am I going to get this money? And then all of a sudden the light goes on and says, wait a minute, dad said he was going to give me an inheritance, a part of his estate, and making me understand that the dad was pretty well off. And so he starts devising this plan. I'm going to ask dad for the money. I'm going to ask him for the money now. And I'm going to party and then party and then party a little bit more. No more rules. No more dad telling me this, telling me that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he starts making up this scheme, this plan. Be careful because, you know, this is another life truth that we understand here. 
that the Bible gives us this warning in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, tells us that those who plan out wicked plans, okay, it's something that God despises. Look what it says. Wicked plans do not please God. Six things that God hates. In verse 18 of chapter 6 of Proverbs, it says, specifically, a heart that devises wicked plans. These are individuals who go out of their way to accommodate their sin, Oh, I'm sorry, did I offend you with using that word? I'm talking about individuals who literally have to make out plans to maybe break their marital vows or keep their holiness, the commitment that they've made with God. They go out of their way to hide their sin. They go out of their way to to do what they want to do. This is what the son did. And that's another life plan that Jesus was conveying, that this individual went out of his way to get what he wanted to get. It wasn't in so much the money, but it was the lifestyle that he wanted to live. So he goes up to his dad and he says, hey dad, it's time for me to go. I'm tired of your rules. I'm tired of your household. I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I want to do my own thing. You know, I've worked, I've done this, I've done that. This guy was just looking at whatever he had done. Kind of like individuals today who, it seems like we, we have this society that feels like they're self-entitled for something that they've never worked for. Uh-oh. Well, of course I'm your son and I need that. PlayStation. They don't have PlayStations anymore, do they? Oh. Just goes to show how old I am, huh? Okay. They ask for things that, you know, hey, it's mine. I should have it. I've done this. I've done that. And their spouses who demand things in their marriage or, or, or workers who demand things from their company who feel that they are self-entitled and they're, and they're these self-serving demands, I believe, tend to exclude God's plan for our lives. I'll say that again. Self-serving demands exclude God's plan for our lives. It's kind of like this, this, this society of gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme what belongs to me. I need my raise. I need my vacation. I need my time. Give me, give me. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you remember that old movie, uh, What About Bob with Bill Murray. Look at this clip. It's kind of like this, okay? Check it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob, please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob, need, Bob. I need, I need. Bob. Give me, give okay, me. Okay. Please. All right, all right, please. all right. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Have you seen kids like that? At the store, at Target or Walmart or wherever? Give me, give me. I want that candy. I, I want that toy. I gotta have this. And there's people here today who are like that prodigal son. They're at that point where all their focus is on what they want, what they believe they need. And when we get to that point, we, we literally exclude ourselves from God's plan in our lives, what God really wants for us. And the son, he, he just demanded it. I want this. I've got to have it. I don't know how, how bad it got, I would imagine the dad said, son, why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? Don't be this way. I believe that when Jesus got to this point of the parable, the people who were listening, they gasped. What? He did what? He asked for his inheritance? Because look, the tradition is this. 
that one receives the inheritance only when the parent has died. But he wanted it right there and then. It's kind of like him communicating. You know what, Dad? I wish you were dead. I wish you were never my dad. I wish I was never born to this family. Just give me what you told me you were going to give me and we'll go our ways. I don't know. Maybe that conversation has... If you had that conversation in your home, and kids have said, oh, I hate my family. I hate tortillas every day. <laughs> or across the street, the other kid is saying, I wish we had tortillas. <laughs> They're not satisfied. Constantly looking for something. The, the, the audience gasped because, you know what, that, that was a deep offense. That was something that was counterculture. That's something that shouldn't happen. And, 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 and it startled them that the son would go to that point to do it. And you know the story. He gets the money and he takes off. And, and the scripture literally says that he, 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 he wasted all his money living the prodigal life. Doing whatever he wanted. And we can go into all the details of the kind of life that he lived, but we can imagine, okay? I don't have to go into those details. The thing, bottom line is that he spent all his money, and not only did that happen, but you know what? Where he had gone, there was a great famine. The economy had, had, had plummeted. There was no work. Everything had gone bad. Isn't it amazing that when we're doing our own thing, even God closes the door on us? Uh-oh, someone didn't want to hear that. Because that's what happens many times when we're doing our own thing and not following God's will in our lives. Yeah. And this guy, he couldn't find a job. The guy was hungry. And another gasp comes to the audience because Jesus says, no one would give him a job. The only place that he could find a job was with a pig farmer. And the Jews go, oh. A pig farmer, because Jews, they don't eat pork, they don't touch pork, they don't look at pork. Poor guys, they don't know what chicharrones are like. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Pobrecitos, man, they didn't know what chicharrones were like, okay? But they were like, they were surprised. How is it that this Jewish young man could be living among the pigs? And it got so bad that not even the pigs would share their food. <laughs> not even, the, because you know what? This is another life truth that comes to us. That all of us, at one time or another, will hit rock bottom. We'll hit rock bottom. Where it seems like we've we're down in the dead ends, the pits, the lowest, the dumps, the depths, the very lowest, the very worst. None of us can exclude ourselves from that if we have not followed God's will in our lives. And this is what this young man did. He wanted to do his own thing. I'm talking about that point in which you literally become despondent, discouraged, despaired, disheartened. Somebody know what I'm talking about? When it seems like you're all alone, dispirited, depressed, cast down, bummed, sad. I mean, when you actually feel a failure because of mistakes that we've made, because of things that we haven't done right. This is where this young man was at. 
But I praise God because God is not only the God of my heights, he's also the God at rock bottom. Look what, look what Tony Evans says. Look at Pastor Tony Evans says, sometimes, somebody say sometimes. Come on, you got to say it with a little bit more guts. Sometimes God allows us to hit rock bottom so that we can discover that he is the rock at the very bottom. Hallelujah. 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 So if you're rock bottom, stop crying. Stop whining. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. God has allowed it so you can discover that he is the rock at the very bottom. I believe this, okay? I believe that the best work of God is at the very bottom. It's the very lowest part of our lives. Look at what King David said. King David said it this way. He said, you drew me out this way. You drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So even if if you're down at the bottom, don't worry about it. God's going to roll up his sleeves. He's going to get dirty and get you up and set you on the rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking to that couple who feels like you just can't, you can't, you can't come up. You can't make things right. It's one argument after the other. It's one bill after the other. It's one problem after the, the other. Don't worry about it. God is in control. I said, God is in control. I said, God is in control. I want to bring you to the understanding that this is a life truth, that God our Father, even at the rock bottom, we have options that, that are available to us. We can make decisions. We can cry out to God. We can choose God's way, and God will never turn his back on us. Come on, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this kid's down at the bottom, and he, he comes up with another plan. And the other plan is, I'm going to go home. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to tell him, Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'll even be one of your servants. I'll be one of your slaves. You see, all of us have an option to repent, to accept the fact that maybe we did make a mistake. Maybe what we're doing is not the right thing. We're not pleasing God. We've drifted away. That's a decision that we need to make today. I'm not talking about you living with the pigs, although some of you are saying, yeah, he is a pig. <laughs> I don't know where you're at. What I do know is that all of us have a choice. I love the fact that the young man says, I'll get up and I'll go. I'm going to do something. Because all of us have that will, that power within ourselves to repent and make things right. Come on, somebody give the Lord a clap offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please leave it right here where we're at, okay? I love what Jesus then says, okay? The young man started walking towards the house, started going home. And the scripture says that, when Jesus says this way, the story, that when the father saw the son from far away, he saw him from far away. In other words, the father was waiting for the son to come home. 
Just like God the Father is waiting for you to come home today. To come home to make things right in your life. God does not have the door closed. He's here with open arms saying, where are you, son? Where are you, daughter? Just give me that opportunity. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't stop there. He shows us not only what a good father does, but shows us what God the Father does. It says that God, that the Father ran after him. He went for them. Our God is not only waiting for us to come home, but my God is running after me. The scripture says in Ezekiel, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself, I will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. You know, that what you feel that is following you some of you have heard footsteps behind you and you've been scared I want to tell you that isn't the enemy chasing after you that's the Holy Spirit running after you calling after you hallelujah Thank God for mom and dad who have been praying that have sent the angels of God to stand around you to be behind you that's God seeking you out hallelujah I want to hear to tell you that this is what happened. You know, this story hits me so hard because maybe some of you can identify with me because I too am a prodigal who who ran out, did the wrong things, ran away from God. And I want to thank God for my dad who was always there for me. Even when I was out there, he would tell me, son, I love you. And Jesus says, goes on with the story, and he says that the father hugged him, just like my dad hugged me when I came home. He kissed him. He welcomed him because God's love is greater than any of our failures. I said God's love is greater than any of our failures. In Jeremiah chapter 31, it reads this way, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's not disappointed in you. He's not upset with you. He's not hurt with you. He's just saying, give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. My dad died in 1976. He impacted my life. Last week, I had a chance to take my son to Israel. First time that he's been there. Spent nine days with him. I thank God that I had the opportunity to hug him and tell him I loved him. Tell him that I was so honored to be his dad. Reminds me of what God has wanted to tell some of you today. He's simply here saying, I love you. Give me the opportunity to show you how much I care for you. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? I don't know, maybe there's someone here today who needs to come home. A daughter or a son, you just drifted away. It wasn't something you planned, it's just something that happened. 
And God the Father today says, you know what? My love for you is greater than any failure. My love for you is greater than any sin. I don't know who would stand with me today and say, Father God, I want to come home. Right, right there where you're at. Who would stand? You're on the main floor or up on the balcony. You've heard God's spirit speaking to you, telling you it's time to come home. It's time to make things right. It's time to simply say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Who would stand right there where you're at? Anyone? God bless you, son. Anyone else? Right where you're at? I see you back there, bro. Miha, God bless you. Oh, hallelujah. Anyone else? He's waiting for you in open arms. I see you up in the balcony. God bless you. Anyone else? Okay, those who stood with me, just say this prayer. Say, Father God, receive me. Forgive my sins. Let me come home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.